Are you ready, Christine? Sure am. Are you ready, Ma? I am. Listen to the story. First, listen to this story. <laughs> Our very own Christine ran the New York Marathon last Sunday. Yay! We had to take a week off. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yes. But we're back. Tears were shed by all. <laughs> it was so cool. It, it was, was so really cool. cool. And we, are, we were so proud of you the whole time. We oh, had, thank we, you. I don't know if my brother showed you, but we had a, it was a pretty funny text thread that we had going. Really? <laughs> well, it was just me going, she's run the 5K. And I put like her time, your time up, and they'd be like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, she just did 10K. And I put the time up, and I'm like, she's getting faster. <laughs> and then you were like, what happened? Did she stop? No, <laughs> not what, what I was looking at. I, cause it was like on your split. So I was just, I was just amazed. I'm pretty much like, she's basically doing what, like when I do a speed workout, what my like, okay, here's what my 5k pace is. And, and she's basically doing that for 26 point, whatever, what is it? 26 Two. 26.2 miles. Or as my watch said, 26.6. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I just learned that there's a blue line that they've put down all throughout the marathon. And that, if you ha run, ex you have to stay on that line to run exactly 26.2 miles. I'm sure the elites do that. Oh. But when you start, like, all the times you start crossing the street, that adds up. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Crossing the street yeah. to all your admirers. So I will still be wearing my marathon apparel. Forever. Of course. Mm -hmm. Did you get three shirts? I mean, I would get three for when they started to wear out. I should have. Mm -hmm. I should have. My mar I, I wanted to buy a marathon finisher jacket, but the, the apparel was hot this year. These people were on it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I was thinking I was gonna I was gonna wait until they went on sale, <laughs> and then they were sold out except for the double XL, which usually is my size, but not yeah. for a jacket, you know? Oh. Yeah, yeah. So we oh, shall man. see. Maybe I'll go to eBay. Yeah, I I feel like you you have some connections. Yeah, I'll find something somewhere. Mm -hmm. So we're so proud of you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Back to the podcast we are going to new york we're beginning in new york city okay mm. 1982 uh this movie uh is a documentary type sheds a documentary type light on the self-absorbed universe of a metal band struggling to get back on the charts mm. particulars and these particulars pay attention because. Yeah, and it's a lie. They it call is. this a mockumentary. They do indeed. Because mm. it's a mock of a documentary. Yeah, it you're lucky so it's not my realistic. pick next week because I have a pick I wanted to do after seeing, after watching this. Mm. Never going to get my pick. Go ahead. Oh. Okay, this is Spinal Tap. It was released on March 2nd, 1984. 
the particulars. It was produced by Karen Murphy, who also produced True Stories, Waiting for Guffman, and Best in Show. Teeny, Best have, in Show? Have you seen Best in Show? Well, that was going to be my pick. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's yeah. one of my favorites. Yes. yes. We would definitely have to do that. It's directed by Rob Reiner. This is his Wait, film. Wait, you said it's written by that person? Same person? I haven't gotten to the who wrote it yet. No, but oh yeah, best in well, best in show. What was the spoiler alert? It's coming. It's all you're gonna hear it a lot. Yes, best in show is um, I believe written and directed by Christopher Guest. So they got Nigel Tufnell, the lead guitarist. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he, well, we'll get to that. So this is directed by Rob Reiner. This is his film debut, the mm -hmm. first film of Rob Reiner, because he is, um, he played Meathead in the All in the Family. That's how most Americans knew him. He is also the son of famous comedian Carl Reiner. You know, mm -hmm. Carl Reiner, because he worked a lot with Mel Brooks. Like, Carl Reiner is big time, wouldn't you say, like, in the 50s, like, one of the yeah. biggest comedians. And 60s because of the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah, he was in that. Like, Carl Reiner's big time. So we, we've got Rob Reiner, Nepo baby here. Yeah. Um, but then Rob Reiner went on to direct such films as Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Princess Harry Met Bride. Sally. Yeah. And a, a Few Good Men, just to name a few of the films right. Rob Reiner has done. He's like an A-list director. The screenplay is credited... With Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shear, and Rob Reiner. Um, so the screenplay, so Christopher Guest, aka Nigel Tufnell. <laughs> in real life, his name his real name is Christopher Haddon Guest. He is the fifth Baron Haddon Guest. Oh, darling. Um, yes. Um, he's also known as Mr. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Mm -hmm. Her significant other, or actually her husband? Her husband. Oh, wow. They've okay. been married for a long time. He also wrote and directed Waiting for Guffman, which is a mockumentary about a community theater group <laughs> that is hilarious. He also wrote and directed Best in Show, which is about oh dog competition that <laughs> so is good. hilarious. He also wrote and directed A Mighty Wind, which oh. is yeah, it's a it's basically the folk version of this is Spinal Tap, okay. and is hilarious. Wow, I haven't seen that in so long. Uh huh. He acted in Little Shop of Horrors. He acted in The Princess Bride, and he acted in A Few Good Men, to name a few films he's acted in. So he's big time. Nice. We have my. Michael McKean, a.k.a. Again, second week in a row. Uh-huh. A.k.a. David St. Hubbins. He wrote The Big Picture, two episodes of Laverne and Shirley, and he also directed episodes of Dream On and Tracy Takes On. He acted in Clue, which we did last time. Mm -hmm. He also acted in Better Call Saul, A Mighty Wind, Laverne and Shirley, and so many other things. We have Harry Shearer a.k.a. Derek Smalls. He's the bassist. He acted in The Right Stuff, The Truman Show, A Mighty Wind, and since 1989, he has been the voice on The Simpsons of 
Mr. Burns, Smithers, Principal Skinner, Ned Flanders, Reverend Lovejoy, and Ken Brockman, just to name a few. Since 1989. Yeah. That guy is in the money! Man. He, okay, this is interesting, nerd alert. He got his first radio role on the Jack Benny program at the age of seven. Yeah, he grew up in in oh Los Angeles. His mentor was Mel Blanc, who was the famous voice actor who did Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, like all those, Yosemite Sam. Um, when I'll say, he was a, I'll say, I'll say again. <laughs> when he was a child, he played a character who would go on to become Eddie Haskell in what was the Leave It to Beaver pilot. But his parents decided that they only wanted him to occasionally um, work in the business. They wanted him to have a normal childhood, essentially. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Rob Reiner, a.k.a. Marty DeGerard. De- 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 Marty DeGerard. De- 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 well, I think I wrote it down, but it's somewhere. Um, it's edited by Robert Layton, who did Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, Bull Durham, and When Harry Met Sally. Ken Beta, who also did Inner Space, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, and Mr. Saturday Night. And Kim Seacrest, who did Tour of Duty and Teen Wolf 2. Because, so, they wanted to originally um, credit the entire cast, everybody mm-hmm. who was in the movie, because when they got together to write the script they realized that it's more of like an improv thing because they all had an improv background. And so what they did is instead they just shot basically um, them doing doing this, their bit, and then shot that around instead of having a screenplay. So in the end, they kind of came up with, um, they knew, they had they kept track of what they needed the scene to be about and important things so that they everyone in the cast would know what like the goal of the scene was and where the scene was going but everything else like the dialogue and stuff is all improvised oh that we were wondering that yeah and so they shot it like a documentary and that's why it took three editors to edit it because they had so much footage yeah Mm. the music is by the boys christopher guest michael mckean harry Shear. like and, and they well, were actually musicians, yes. Yeah. Um, plus Rick Parnell, he is the drummer. He and he's the drummer that's in the um in the that film. <laughs> the no, he, he didn't. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. Spontaneous combustion. Oh, that's the one that okay, okay. Um, and we have David Kapp, who was also on keyboards, and John Sinclair, and he was the keyboardist in Ozzy Osbourne's band. Yeah, crazy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The director of photography is Peter Smokler. He was known for the North Shore, the TV show Tour of Duty, which is... <laughs> my dad loved that show. <laughs> Remember? He was like... That was his appointment viewing was Tour of Duty. You yeah. are not allowed to speak during Tour of Duty. No, you were not, and you were not allowed to... Like, want to see something on another channel. No, we're watching happen. Tour of Duty. Um, sports and if night. Adam went behind the big chair, he waited till Tour of Duty was over. Yep. We're just, just going to all sit in it. <laughs> uh, the Drew Carey Show. And he also 
shot 102 episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So besides Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, and Rob Reiner, filling out the cast, we have Tony Hendra as Ian Faith. He was the manager. Um, he co-created, co-wrote, and co-produced the British satirical show Spitting Image. He was also in The Great White Hype, Jumpin' Jack Flash, The Cosby Mysteries, and hmm, I'm going to sloppily handle this, but in Wikipedia, his Wikipedia page has a section titled Family Life and Child Sex Abuse Allegations. Oh, oh. God. So Jessica Hendra, the younger daughter from his first marriage, says that he sexually abused her as a child. Oh, God. And he says that he didn't, but... But not that he not I'm not saying he's guilty, uh, but I'm saying that usually people who are accused say no, I didn't. Yeah, they don't, and you don't really lie about something like that. Um, not, but I mean, people have, but we're in the age of believing um, mm-hmm. people, and and this isn't an and; it's just a, a fact of what happened. He died of ALS in 2021. I'm not oh, making any. Hard, it it a, is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, let it go with that. We so all get the inference. Just, Move on. It, I'm not making, there are plenty of amazing people who die of ALS. I'm, exactly. I'm not saying that. No, I'm just saying it's a, of, it's a very hard death. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, just didn't, did not go out easily. We have June Chadwick, who played Janine Pettibone. She was also in Jumpin' Jack Flash, V the Series, and MacGyver. Bruno Kirby as the limo driver, Tommy Pachetta. He was in The Godfather Part Two, City Slickers, and When Harry Met Sally. He was in a ton of movies in the 80s. He was a very much of that guy. Uh, Ed Bagley Jr. As I didn't see him. He's in the, okay, he's in the back when he plays Joe, John Stumpy Pe- Peppy. He, uh, <laughs> he was. Yeah, 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 John Stumpy Peppy. He, when they were doing the give me some money, that mm-hmm. the Beatles thing, he's the drummer. When they're oh, doing, okay. when they're doing okay. like the Beatles thing. Okay. Um, he was in A Mighty Wind, An Officer and a Gentleman, Saint Elsewhere, which was yeah. ER in the 80s, basically. And, I mean, my favorite of his, Stan Sitwell in Arrested Development. The, the man who had the alopecia. Yeah. Hilarious. We have Fran Drescher as Bobby Fleckman. Uh, Wait a minute. Now we all have to say, what has Fran Drescher just done? Oh, uh, 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 yeah. Go, go I ahead. mean, I'm getting to it. I know, but I wanted to. I wanted our listeners to stop and take a listen because she's been pivotal. Go ahead. You, you think that I would just, just breeze on by Fran Drescher? No, but I thought our listeners might. American, American treasure friend Drescher. <laughs> Look, oh. <laughs> she was in Saturday Night Fever, UHF, and the television show The Nanny. Yes. Mm. What Mother is alluding to. <laughs> mother. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, you got mothered from now. that one. I'm Mrs. <laughs> Pence now. Okay. <laughs> oh, it felt so dirty and weird saying that. Oh, man. 
okay, what Ma was pointing to, alluding to, was she is the current president of the Screen Actors Guild-American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Basically, she's the president of the SAG-AFTRA. She was the one that gave the fiery speech about when they were going on the picket lines. She's been basically just dropping dimes and stuff and being like, no, this is an existential threat that the screen actors are facing. And a lot of people, they you know, when you hear SAG-AFTRA and think of actors, you think of the Denzel Washingtons, the Tom right. Cruises and stuff. But right, 1%. There are people who they make a living being background actors mm-hmm. in things. And AI going the way AI is going to go. Oh. You know, people, they were just, they, they were just doing it already, scanning people mm-hmm. in so that they could just put them in crowds so that, no, we don't have to pay this person. And this person who, this is their, this is their craft. This is their, essentially their office job is to go in and be a background actor. And it, they have, uh, over their time and stuff, they've done, you know, it's a skill because mm-hmm. you can't. You have to pretend like you're doing whatever they want you to pretend that they're doing in the background, but you can't talk, you know, so you can't. And you, you have can't to be, look at the camera and wave. Right. A whole lot of stuff into it that go into it. Like most of the actors that are working are not rich. And exactly. in Los Angeles, really can't afford to live because mm-hmm. yeah. this is a highly, and just the same <laughs> as it is in New York, highly expensive place mm-hmm. to live do um, the three of us live in the most expensive places in the country yeah well we don't live in san francisco well there's that but pretty much yes <laughs> um also check out just her wikipedia and her background fran drescher is a fascinating fascinating life she has, she's just lived a very fascinating life. It okay. is truly incredible. She is a survivor in the best possible way. She has survived physical assaults. She has survived her cancer assaults. She has survived all of that. And when you think of, there was somebody else who, I, I just, I'm not saying that I want this to happen, but I'm just saying like America could do worse. Remember we had had a president who before yes. was the president of the Screen Actors Guild and basically fucked them over and then went on to fuck over the country. I guess maybe your mileage may vary upon that. But yeah, I'm talking about you, Ronnie. Ronald Reagan. Remember, he was... he was yeah. an, Aaron's favorite. Yeah. He, he, when he was the president of SAG, he did. He was also working for the production companies, so he mm. was able to pad his, uh, his coffers, as it were, and basically made deals that um, didn't really help people out and stuff. But it hey, was, he got money. Conf- what conflict of interest? Oh yeah, totally. Sounds like it. Yeah, totally. So I'm just saying that. Um, and then he went on to be president. I'm just saying, based on the way that these two have, have handled like negotiations, who maybe we can get Fran Drescher for president. Wouldn't I'm, that be something? I'm just saying, but you you know, the misogyny in this country, <sighs> old white men. Yeah, but gotta love them. <laughs> I mean, no, we, well, no, you don't. <laughs> some of you do. <laughs> 
that was that was funny. <laughs> oh, we have Dana Carvey. He he showed up as a mime waiter. Dana oh, Carvey. Yeah, young Dana, Dana Carvey. Carvey. Uh huh. Saturday Night Live, best known Garth in Wayne's World and Wayne's World Two. It's also in Master of Disguise. We have also a young Billy Crystal as Morty the Mime. I knew as soon as I heard his voice. And you know him from The Princess Bride when Harry met Sally in City Slickers. Howard Hussman is back as Terry Ladd, Duke's fame manager. He was in Clue and WKRP in Cincinnati. Paul Schaefer as the incompetent promoter, Artie Funkin. Um, (laughs) You know him because he was the musical director and sidekick on Late Night with David Letterman and right. Late Show with David Letterman. Angelica Houston yes! as Polly Deutsch. I wish I could have saved that. What you just did as a gift. Went to take a drink and then heard Angelica Houston and said Yes! <laughs> yes! Uh, she was in Prizzy's Honor. I think we mentioned that last week in Clue, very recently. Um, the Witches, The Adams Family, The Royal Tenenbaums. Fred Willard as, yes! as Air Force Lieutenant Bob Hookstratton. He's, I mean, you know him, he, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, American Pie, Modern Family. He was just mm-hmm. that guy. Um, and then we have wonderful smith as the janitor and he was in over my dead body a piece of the action and oh god and those are the particulars yes they are so the movie starts with a filmmaker talking about seeing spinal tap the band in 1966 marty de (laughs) burgi i don't know why i'm blatant it's blocked. It is now 17 years later, and he is making a documentary about spinal taps, ups and downs. What could possibly go wrong? Everything. <laughs> so we are to POC. I'm out of it because I was just watching the movie, and I, I didn't even think. I didn't see any. Well, we have three black women and one black male working as the airport security. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then we have, of course, Wonderful Smith as the janitor in the arena. Right, right, because he's mm-hmm. given them directions of where to go to get on stage. Right. So now we are to cast. I did, sounds I like did. you have a good one. So Yeah, so we're going to let her take it away. All right, so cast. It's about Wonderful Smith. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the man who plays the janitor in the famous scene where Spinal Tap is trying to get to the stage in the auto, the arena, and they can't seem to find where to go and keep getting lost, and they run into the man working down there, the maintenance man, and he is Wonderful Smith. Um. So there's a 2008 LA Times article by Valerie J. Nelson that I got this information from. And the only reason that I went looking for it was because on his Wikipedia page, it mentioned that 
he was famous for this um, comedy routine in the 40s called Hello, Mr. President. And it was this big routine. And he also, um, well, okay, so I'll get into it. Because then I had to to get out of Wikipedia because that was all they gave me. And they're like, oh, it doesn't exist anywhere. There's no recordings of it. But I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, there was enough on his Wikipedia that made me think, like, there's more to this wonderful Smith, isn't there? And so I found this article by Valerie J. Nelson called, quote, Edgy Comedian Helped Break Racial Molds. It's essentially an obit because he died that year at the age of 97. So he was known for, there was this boundary-pushing comedy routine that he did uh, called Hello, Mr. President. And it was in, so Duke Ellington, he was a famous jazz guy. Mm-hmm. He had a satirical review called Jump for Joy that was staged in Los Angeles in 1941. And within that review, there was this famous, Wonderful Smith does his famous Hello, Mr. President monologue that lampooned the New Deal and World War II preparations because the New Deal and the World War II preparations excluded blacks. So stuff that we know about the New Deal, you know, the Federal Housing Administration, we are, we've been through that so many times on the show about caste, about how, it re- how the FHA promoted racial covenants, redlining that effectively excluded blacks. Also part of the New Deal was the Social Security and National Labor Relations Acts of 1935, that made exceptions for agricultural and domestic workers. So essentially didn't apply to blacks and Chicanos. Um, and also a lot of that is when you look at generational wealth and stuff and how um, black and brown people have been excluded from that, it kind of right. goes back into the New Deal. Um, so in his routine, he pretended to talk on the telephone and he told the operator to get the president on the line and, quote, just charge it to the New Deal. And it was a radical in 1941 because... Oh, my God, 1941? This is, yeah, this is 1941, and it imagined a conversation between of slavery which never we never really came out of well yeah it's like still coming out of it but there are people alive who are well like they would be 80 years old when it ended right but the mentality Jim Crow all of that yeah yeah Yeah. black people weren't allowed to vote definitely segregation going on right definitely uh, chicanery and all of that running amok Right. Just, you know, a, a black man was lynched today, you know, flags hanging out the NAACP headquarters. Yeah, go have a picnic. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, all, the, all those really fun things. Go America. So Duke Ellington, he said that he wanted to, quote, take Uncle Tom out of the theater and say things that would make an audience think. Because, you know, at that time, black people on the stage, they had to be... Like they, they dumb down basically, mm-hmm. or you know, minstrelly and wearing blackface. Yeah, and black big people had to wear lips. black. 
Yeah, I mean, black people had to make themselves smaller and, um, what, like, when you want to, like, make yourself smaller to appease and not seem threatening to white people. Like, oh, you can't, can't, you can't, you can't treat them equally or anything because Uh -uh. then they're gonna, like, exact revenge upon us for all those sins that we've done. And be the brunt of the joke. Yeah. So, um, Duke Ellington was like, nah, B, we want to take all that mess out and we want to actually make the audience think. And later he called the musical one of his most significant achievements. This, what was it called again? It was called Jump for Joy. So Jump for Joy had a 60-member cast that included tap dancers, formal minstrel comics, and singers in what was called, quote, an all-colored review. Mm, This also um, included in the cast was an up-and-comer by the name of one Dorothy Dandridge. Mm -hmm. And Duke Ellington's orchestra played in the pit every night. So you know that show was (laughs) amazing, man. Yeah. Um, Charlie Chaplin once told Wonderful Smith, yo, my man you got to rehearse in private. He said, quote, if he rehearses out in the open, Bob Hope's and Jack Benny's leg men will steal his material and his routine will be stale. Mm -hmm. I think that's very appropriate considering that he's a forgotten comedy treasure playing a janitor in a mockumentary about a musical genre that was stolen from black people and features a scene at Elvis's grave. Ouch! Wait, you might oughta need to repeat that. <laughs> that might need to be the quote for the this week. Wow! Ouch! Well, it was just interesting. Like if you look at cast, it was the the only black people in this are the people who are working the airport security mm-hmm. and wonderful Smith, who's playing a janitor, mm-hmm. and nobody know. I'm sure that. I'm not sure. I'm erring on the side that Christopher Guest and Rob Reiner, especially because Rob Reiner's father was a comedian and stuff, so I'm guessing that they knew who Wonderful Smith was. I'm sure that was not an accident that he yeah, was. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I just think that it's very appropriate, and that's why it's perfect in cast, that Charlie Chaplin was like, my man, you can't yeah. be out here mm-hmm. rehearsing. Because he used to just rehearse, because it's a 60 people show like it's a big show it's not all about him he's not the headliner and charlie chaplin was like you need to rehearse in private because white people be out here stealing your stuff yeah (laughs) they will steal like not necessarily jack benny but his people you know his his leg men i guess they called it would be like oh that's great and we'll go Mm -hmm. back and steal it and what are you gonna do you can't do anything you're a black man in the 40s and I said that I thought that it was appropriate considering he's a forgotten comedy treasure playing a janitor in a mockumentary about a musical genre that was stolen from black people and features a scene at Elvis's grave. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. There is no known recording of the entire Jump for Joy routine that exists because, of course not. This is why we can't have nice things, <laughs> you know? Like... Just yeah. what a great forgotten treasure that just yeah. doesn't exist. Um, but Wonderful Smith did perform a version of this monologue in the 1941 film Top Sergeant Mulligan. Mm. 
Now, writer Patricia Willard interviewed Wonderful Smith in 1988 and showed him the film and like his monologue from it. And he said in his commentary that it had been edited, that it was missing a sequence that always got a big laugh whenever he did it. And he just rattled off the sequence. And the sequence is this. Remember the whole premise is, hello, Mr. President and stuff. Right, right. So he gets him on the phone. He's like, you see, I'm a draftee, you know, one of the fellas that you've sent someplace else to help somebody else, to stop somebody else from doing something else who didn't want nobody else to do nothing else to them know how. You remember? Good, yes, yes. And so that missing part was like wonderful. <laughs> He's like, yeah, they cut that out because – that was too bold to be tolerated coming mm-hmm. from a black man. Exactly. Like a black man's going to say that to the president? Just yeah. drop the, that truth bomb in 1941? No. Um, which is very important also considering that it's 1941 and like pretty much the last thing that FDR needs is oh my God, black people yeah. to be like, why are we going to fight them when like y'all like, doing the same thing I'd be like Joe us. Biden not needing black people. You know what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean? And it's kind of the same thing, cause it, you know, how's that? Uh, what was that? The Police Reform Act. How's that? How's that going? All, all of the things that, I mean, he's done great things. But I'm just saying, it is, it is very funny, and also, it, it leverages that thing that had been happening within the black community of, well, you know what? All we gotta do is just show them. We just got to show them that we are just as American and as just as patriotic and we're going to go over there and fight for our country the same as these everyone else because we are Americans too. And by doing that and fighting and laying down our lives on this Veterans Day, which we are recording on Veterans Day, we will prove it. And they they came back and the World War One veterans were like, yo, man, <laughs> What, what did you think was going to happen? You came back to the rise of the clan, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, put this down. So in real life, he was drafted into the army into 1942. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. And, in, and by he just was very lucky. He worked as a disc jockey for the United Armed Forces Radio Service. Oh, and wow. he was very surprised that he didn't have to speak in, quote, a blackface dialect when producing his own show in Calcutta during the war. <laughs> so he's just getting to, to he's having more freedom, ironically. Right. You know. In, in the military than mm-hmm. he ever had out of the military. Right. So because he had, um, you know, people like knew who he was and stuff. Like he was working with the likes of Red S- Skeleton, and so when he returned Skeleton. from Skeleton, Skeleton, and when he returned from, so that's where he was working. And after when he returned from the war, and then in 1947 he was fired from Red the Red Skeleton show, yeah, because he mm-hmm. said, "quote He had difficulty sounding as Negroid as they expected." Yes, yeah. Oh, can't so, we go back to the yeah. Yeah, so he was basically having all this fun, like, doing crazy things in, in Calcutta and just is flexing all of his comedy muscles, and he comes back to the United States and, like, no. I, I mean, really, they were like, no, boy, you need to fit back into this very right. small box, and you need to sound like, you know, basically, yeah. like, like, what he's a Negroid. Like, you, you're not sounding... <sighs> Step which is, 
sip and fetch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then this is crazy. In 1935, he was on a streetcar in Los Angeles, and he met Hattie McDaniels. And he was like, what? But, but this is before she was in um, Gone, with, Gone the with the Wind. But he, he, like, he knew who she, like, she had been yeah. acting and stuff. And so he knew who she was. And she was, she said that, she, so he was kind of like, what are you doing on a streetcar, Hattie McDaniels? And she said that she wanted to buy a car. Like, she had the money and she wanted to buy a car. She just didn't know how to drive. And so by the oh. end of the street ride, he was her part-time chauffeur, and he drove her to the 1940s Academy Awards. Oh where my she, God. Uh-huh, where she won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, the first black person to ever win such an award, at the Oscar ceremony that she wasn't allowed to sit in the auditorium at. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You've uh-huh. been nominated. Now go over there by the kitchen, wait to see if your name is called. I know, and I had no idea about that until I'm doing research on This is Spinal Tap. Wow. So, wow, that's, that's crazy. I that know. I just, I'm like, wonder, and he, his real name was wonderful because I think his his parents were just like, they were so surprised that, that I guess that he was conceived and then... Oh, shit, this is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, they were like, that's your name, wonderful. And then they... I like, I like that. He went. His parents went on to have a whole grip more of kids, and they all had traditional names. Like oh, really? Except for our kids, wonderful and Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, yep, that's Cass. Wow, that was a good. You are right. That yeah. was a good one. Excellent one. Um, uh, so now we're the nerd alert. Then, amazingly, I don't have any. Shockingly, neither do I. Keep it going. <laughs> Let's go, Aaron. Let's, let's just turn down the heat and put it on simmer now. The year. Okay, so what was happening in the world in March 1984. Oh. Yeah, March, March 1984. 1984. Okay. Steve Jobs. Not me. I wasn't happening. No, you weren't. But Adam but was a cooking. He was happening. He mm-hmm. was a cooking. My mom was wearing very weird, stretchy pants. I remember you had like a pair of like dark like wine colored red pants and they had like the um the panel yeah yeah the 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 uh, that's how that's how pregnant people had to be now when i was pregnant with you i got one pair of navy blue corduroy pants that had buttons on each side with the Mm. spandex just on the side so that as your tummy got bigger but America had these horrible panels in the front that just, you know, were supposed to go as big as the baby went. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I mean, saving money. I know, but they were. Supposed to buy a whole new wardrobe just for a couple of months. So, what was Adam's room? Was that Poppy's music room when yes. we first moved there? Originally, yes. Oh, okay. And then he just moved all the stuff into our play into downstairs. Right. It became okay. yeah. Your your old play area became his music area. Yeah. Don't it, touch. It was like you can go you had to go to the toy box, open it up carefully, 
carefully take out a toy, close the toy box, and then move 15 feet away from all the musical equipment <laughs> and then play. And she would actually do that. I now, would. when when brother was born. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ain't no way he's doing that. No, that went out the window. Luckily, that stuff was built to last. <laughs> so it could take a lick and keep on ticking. Unlike all of the stuff they make now. I'm talking about you flash drives. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> Van Halen releases 1984. In 1984. So, Panama. Which, I was like, it was a couple years ago where I realized that it was Panama. I thought it was Panama. It was really funny to me. Um, the United States... And the Vatican, a.k.a. Holy See, restore full diplomatic relations. When in 1984. Wait, did they not have them because of Mussolini back in the day? No, it wasn't Mussolini. So I had to figure, I was like, well, what happened? Because, huh? Because I was like, because Kennedy, like, I don't get it. Yeah. So I said, Why? This goes back to 1867. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. From 1867 to 1984, the United States did not have diplomatic relations because of rumors of Catholic implication in the Lincoln assassination. Oh, my God. Yes. Well, apparently. Apparently. What happened was... What happened was, there was rising anti-Catholic sentiment in the United States that was fueled by the hanging of Mary Surratt and three others who were all Catholic for taking part in the conspiracy to assassinate Abraham Lincoln. So what did the Catholic have to do with that? I mean, Because they were were Catholic. Well, her son John Surratt who was accused of plotting with John Wilkes Booth. Uh-huh. You know. We all know who that was. Uh-huh. He eluded arrest, and he served for a bit in the pontifical Zvau. Z-O-U-A-V-E. Okay. A lot of letters in there. And a lot of letters what together that usually I don't know. Yeah. Like my yeah. brain sees that and it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the pontifical Z? Um, I what I get from Wikipedia is that it seems to be sort of like the Pope's personal army. So the guy who was in the you, helmets, the ones with the yeah, helmets, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Mary Surratt, she had that boarding house, and played by played by um, Robin Wright. Robin Wright in that movie, yeah. So she had right. the boarding house that they all that they plotted right. to assassinate um, Lincoln. Lincoln, and because so he they, was freeing the slaves, this is the reason. Yes, because yeah, they tried to if you want to go. Right. I mean, I was taught that it was the Civil War is about states' rights, but and then my father would be like, the states' right to own another human being based on the color of their skin. So it was, it, there was what I said in school, and then there was the 
what it actually was. Like, don't get it twisted. As you know, as you're driving on Lee Highway to Jefferson Davis Highway, past Robert E. Lee School, going to play Jeb Stewart. It's all changing now. It's all changing. <laughs> I know. Now I don't know. All 2023. The and stuff. I don't know what schools they are. <laughs> now I can't. I can't keep track. Also, 2023. Huh. Um. So <laughs> they. So because her son, you know. Ma gets hung, like all they were all Catholics. There was a rising anti-Catholic sentiment, or we're saying, and then he escapes and goes to join the Pope's personal army. So that left the, a lot of people were big mad, as they should be, that their president was shot. And like when people get big mad on things, they it's not a new thing to go around blaming the people who have a different religious belief than you do. Um, and also. Ouch. There was also the, the Protestants were like, hey, what about religious freedom of the Protestants in the papal states? So there were there was a lot of like, you know, people be, be getting big mad. Like Catholics and Protestants. Who who knew? <laughs> who knew Northern Ireland? Yeah. Who who knew there was such beef? I just thought it was wild that it wasn't until nineteen eighty four, because I'm like, but like yeah. Kennedy was a Catholic and that was a big deal. Right. It so, was a big deal. That I was guess, a huge deal. I guess that it was such a huge deal that Kennedy was like, no, nah, that's a bridge too far, man. Like, you want me to to go against... Like, they might have helped Lincoln, maybe, based on rumors. Kennedy was like, nah. And then look what happened to Kennedy. Oh, my gosh. Think about it. Lincoln, Kennedy. Oh, my God. If you look at the similarities in the... It, uh, like counting I did, the, in the, the yeah, number in, of letters and the last names and the and the who went to a theater and who went to a who left a theater and who went. I mean, that's, it's crazy. That is ma, some crazy shit. That's mm. sixty years coming up. The Kennedy assassination sixty years ago. So are we finally gonna find out the truth? And now we'll never know the truth. I kind of do. I think that I know what happened. And it's not me. Like, I didn't come up with it. I've heard something that it scratches all of the itches that I have over it. You know, there are still people who believe that uh, John Fitzgerald is still alive as well as John Fitzgerald Jr. is still alive. I think that's very hard to believe, seeing that we saw John Sr.'s brain matter. Exactly. Um, and if John, uh, uh, John Fitzgerald Jr., we're still alive. I mean, come on, most gorgeous human being on the planet. So, I mean, we would have a, we we would have a, a, a no, Absolutely a tell. No. Somebody right. would say, "Oh my God, I just saw the most gorgeous human being on the planet." I think I think that Oswald he 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 took those two shots. He shot him, but the kill shot, yeah, came from a workplace accident. It was a oopsie daisy. One yeah, of the Secret Service men. Like. It really does sound like that. Right? Like yeah. that, like the famous shot of like, you know, yeah. the, the guy missed. that the guy that uh that uh Clint Eastwood played in the movie. Yeah, mm -hmm. like some yeah. So and then it, it kind of makes sense because you you kind of would if you were the Secret Service do like cover that up a bit. You know I wouldn't mean and wouldn't my bullet, mm -mm. you know, because especially because it's the Cold War and the last thing. Because we think of America, the last thing that America needs is to be like, yeah, we accidentally shot our president, shot our own president. Yeah, <laughs> like, oopsie, daisies. Know, oopsie daisies, oopsie yeah. daisies. 
Yeah, but he the workplace incident board was just like yeah, yeah. Like Oswald shot him like through the neck and stuff and right that all. But the the final matter situation. Yeah, that was oops. You know them them semi automatic weapons. I'm just saying. This is all just conjecture on Gone with the Bushes. So you notice uh, Christine Mabes hasn't said a word. So leave her out of this. Yeah, I have nothing to do. I have no opinions. I'm not educated enough. But she did. That is not my Roman Empire. (laughs) Is it your Camelot? It is not her bridge. Have you heard? Here's my TikTok for you. Ooh. Okay. Have you heard about the Roman Empire theory? I mean, in what way? I've heard a lot about the Roman Empire. Or just like how much every man thinks about the Roman Empire. Oh, it's yes. like, okay. How many times do you think about the Roman Empire on a daily, like... Zipola. At all. Right. So there right. was this trend going around on TikTok, and it was just like women asking their men, like, when's the last time you thought about the Roman Empire? And they would be like, you mean like today? Or like... <laughs> they really? Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, literally haven't thought about it since I passed over in a textbook exactly but the men were all like yeah like every other day at least well what what is it about so then it's like like john bonnet ramsey is you know a roman empire for a lot of yeah that's weird because i I don't know i I just don't feel like that there was to me it didn't seem like there's a lot of action other than like and you brewed it like when they 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 i don't think i'll ever understand okay it's just don't think we're ever gonna stand, ever gonna understand. Okay. And I sure enough asked Adam, and I was like, "When's the last time you thought of like, how often do you think about it?" I'm pretty sure he said a couple times a week. <laughs> That's hilarious. That must be like. What? That must just be like a hardwire in the like, like those memes of like he's probably thinking about other women and it's like the Roman Empire going exactly to exactly is that a part of the Y chromosome is the I think it, it might must be. be because wow okay oh. well interesting I mean I think about it maybe once a year or if it's like brought up in some way because there'll be always be something where they'll say like oh is this the fall of the roman empire and i'm just like well what like how and then i always get the M- roman empire and the greeks confused yeah, you know isn't it all the same thing i'm just like what uh yeah i don't know maybe that you know what that's 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 latent white supremacy though Mm-hmm. Because there are so many other empires, mm-hmm. uh, we don't even know African, all that great African empires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just PR right there. Damn. The top films of 1984. Number five was The Karate Kid. Okay. Number four was Gremlins. Uh, <laughs> that was number four. I yeah. Number my, three. My parents had a. Cat. That must have been the year they got married. No. 84? No, they didn't get married then. I don't know. But they had a cat named Gremlins because it looked like one of the Gremlins. I always thought Mac looked like a Gremlin. He did. <laughs> That's how you, I he still does. 
We have Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Was number three? Yeah. Interesting. 84 was a great year for film. Weird, weird, weird year for movies. Or weird is in great. Number two, Ghostbusters. (gasps) And we've done the number one film of 1984. I love it. Beverly Hills Cop. Wow. That was the number one film. (laughs) On top of. Wow. Uh Yeah. Just shows you you can't trust polls. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you can't trust the police. <laughs> you're gonna go into a whole propaganda thing. Nope. Polls. Are you talking? You're talking about Pol- Polish people or like what, what's going <laughs> on? No, I'm not talking about the people of Polish descent. <laughs> Just can't trust polls. Um, the Oscars, the Best Picture. Yeah, none of them are in the top five. A Soldier Story. Never heard of that. Oh. Yeah, that's a good one, though. Yeah, isn't that like... Uh, it's a black film, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hence, oh. number five. <laughs> no, it's not. It's nominated for the Oscar. Oh, even nominated. Hey, yeah. it was nominated. It's nominated. Oscar's still white. Place, places in the Heart. Wait, that was... Uh, uh, that was... Uh, that's a, a mob you movie. You Love Me, You Really, Really Love Me. Oh, Sally Field. Sally Field, yeah. Okay. Passage to India. Snoozeville, man. That's a British one. The Killing Fields. Now, that was a good one. Never heard of that. That's that was about a... Cambodia? Cambodia, right. And the and the Kumar Rouge. Oh, yeah. That was when it was like Sam Waterston. Sam in it. Waterston, yes. A young Sam Waterston, yes. Mm-hmm. And the winner for Best Picture in 1984. Amadeus. Never heard yeah, of they are into the. Old you never Amadeus. heard of Amadeus? Mozart. I mean, it's yeah, the, but like not the movie. Yeah, it uh, it had dude in it. What's his name? <laughs> not M Night Shyamalan. This but is Halloween. F Murray Abraham. F Murray Abraham. I I knew that. I know you were like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, you knew uh-huh. it. Yeah. So oh. yeah. There you go. Those are the nerd alerts. We are now to negative reheatables. And, um, you know, I don't have many. Uh, spandex, I mean, but it was it was true to the time. Not necessarily a good thing, but boy, those, uh, boy, those, uh, Man bands, boy band, man bands really did like their spandex. Back man in the bands. <laughs> and some of the lyrics were so, but okay, so some of the lyrics were so uh, raunchily suggestive. But if you ever listen to the lyrics that came out of the 70s and 80s, they were raunchily. Uh, 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 I mean, what about now? <laughs> raunchy, yeah. So, yeah. So, I have spandex and lyrics. Others? I had chewed gum when it's not in your mouth. Oh, my God. Oh. Well, chewing gum anyway is an issue for me. So, yeah. Mm, travel brochures. 
they didn't stick around. Like those, and like the rest stops still have big things of tra- for travel brochures. They still and do. And I remember like, that was like the number one project to do when I was a kid is like make a travel brochure. Um, right. They always did that. The yeah. trifold thing that you had to mm-hmm. make for whatever social studies thing you were studying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like really irreve- irrelevant now. Like, does the we have to check? Does the courtyard Marriott that you guys say it still have it? Because they they did. I'll take a picture sure of they it. They do for you when we get. Yeah, it's like that's how you would find fun things to do. Like right, you right. Go to your Holiday Inn and like look at the travel brochures yeah. and be like, oh, what's around? I mean, they still have them in the like if you're traveling through Virginia and there's the rest stop where you can stop and use an actual toilet, you know those stops. They still have them there. Um, at one point, they were like, we're canceled. And they <laughs> meant that their show was canceled. And yeah. boy, that's, that's oh, is a different meaning now. Yeah. <laughs> and then paper boarding class. Paper boarding passes on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're over there. You still print yours out, don't you? Mine does. Yeah. You know what? No I stopped. You know what made me stop? was the pandemic <laughs> i'm sure you still use your checkbook too Ma does yeah but not at the store anymore <laughs> I, yeah but there's literally no need to do it at home i'm here I, to tell you i know but there's there's elements uh, at play who don't trust so i'm still yes i write checks for uh, mid-month and end-of-month bills yes i do um very those are my very old-fashioned yes I have, it's, it started out as a good reheatable, but then the last shot was like, wow. So it was funny when Ian had his cricket bat and there was the montage, Ian is the manager. Oh, right. um, he had it on the table and they're like, oh, what is, like, do you play? And he was like, no, it just comes in really handy when I'm managing a rock and roll band. And it showed all the ways, like, he was choking some guy, he was destroying things, like, he was just wielding it with power except at the very end when they're playing their show in Japan and the girlfriend St. Hubbins David's girlfriend is there and she's sitting not interested of course in what they're doing and he's standing over her looking down with this weird look on his face and just patting the cricket bat in his hand like he's gonna right. keep her in check it was just like <gasps> but that bit was so good and now it got so yeah, creepy yeah exactly because he could clear a desk in nothing yeah. with that cricket bat. Um, and then this is, it's actually a good reheatable, but it's a bad reheatable just in how true it is. But it's a good reheatable in that I like that they included this in the movie because they didn't have to, but they did include this. And that was when Marty, the director, asked if the band was racist, and they reply. We say, love your brother, and then they're like, well, we don't really say it, but they don't literally say it, nor literally mean it, but we're not racist, and that (laughs) message should be clear. We're anything but racist. But they just kept walking it back and back and back. So positive reheatables. First, I'm going to go with the wigs spot on. I mean, dude's dude's mutton chops, spot on. And Michael McKean, 
wig? I mean, where you fry your hair with the um, home perms? Yes. Yes, there are several pictures of me with a fry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those, so, those when you were getting, getting frosted. Yeah. Spot on. I was amazed that they could actually sing. And I didn't realize they could actually play their instruments as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I and then the, the egg situation, was it an egg? It reminded me of the Lady Gaga egg when they were all three on the stage and then the the embryo type thing had to open for them to step yeah. out. But the basis mm. it never worked. Uh, so funny. Well, so, so in funny. 1997, U2 got stuck in a giant lemon on stage in Oslo, Norway. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't and, know that. And it's very famous because it because it's also when U2 was doing their it was like their weird pop mar- like I'm not a huge YouTube fan but like diehard YouTube fans are always like this really uh oh they, it angers the fan base there are certain where they're they just went pop and they just went on this weird direction to the fan base and it just really aggravates them and so they're like this is their spinal tap moment where they were stuck literally stuck in a giant lemon on yeah. stage just like in spinal tap so I have to go back to 2013 when I went to Dublin for a an Irish American wedding, and um, uh, my friend and I took a bus tour and we went past Bono's home. So the bus driver, oh my god, oh my god! If if you ever go to Ireland, you have to ride in cabbies and you have to ride so that so that the drivers can be them. They are stand-up comedians. And so the bus driver is riding past Bono's estate saying, what is the difference between God and Bono? And the answer is, God doesn't think he's a musician. Burn! It was like, that's how, that's how the local people feel about Bach. Yes, it is. Damn. It was hysterical. I might have been one of the only people laughing hysterically on the bus, <laughs> but I was. Also, I have the lyrics. You know, remember when I had the lyrics as negative? Mm-hmm. But those lyrics were probably good for the mockumentary. They did. And the and the and the rhyming at the end, I mean the the big bottom girls situation. It was, yeah, the lyrics. Okay, other positives. Mine, um, Greenwich Village. Is that a positive? Oh, yeah. Bands punctuality. Oh, they said something about how they their punctuality, and I liked that. <laughs> yes. Because lately, you know, Lauren Hill has been in the news. Lately, mm-hmm. that's Lauren... Every yeah, it's always been her, released. but now she's yeah. like canceling things like right, right before the show. You're yeah. lucky oh, if I come on the thing. stage. Yeah, Fran Drescher, um, Chapel Hill. They played. Oh yeah, a show in Chapel Hill, and I was trying to look up. It was at the Vandermint Auditorium, which I couldn't find much about. And somebody, this is from a blog. Um that said 
There are some people who will tell you that the Vanderbilt Auditorium in Chapel Hill, North Carolina never existed. Those people are very silly. Most people will remember the Vanderbilt from the documentary, The Spinal Tap. Fans will remember that. While Nigel Tufnell apparently had some problems with the catering, the band plays a, played a rousing set that night with its performance of Hellhole being featured in the film. This blog is in the spirit of the old Vanderbilt distinguished, sorry, this blog is in the spirit of the old Vanderbilt distinguished, proud, a home of sports as well as the arts. As a graduate of the University of North Carolina, it holds a special place in my heart, even if I never did find it out exactly where it was during my four years there. So oh, who knows? I kind of, I think I might have the answer for that in Tasty Titties. Okay, It good. has to be play on Vanderbilt. No. Okay. Moving on. Um, opened Oreo. Oh, was one of the things? Yes. All Oreos that were all the top open Oreos. Up? I love yeah. that. Uh huh. And then I just put rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part of the best. The best reheatable of this is when I was doing all this looking for tasty titties and stuff. It's just how how realistic that the movie is. So when they, Christopher Guest and and the boys, Christopher, Michael, and Harry, um, they wanted to, they were into music, you know, hobbies and, and that kind of thing. And all of the rock music, all the movies, the rock movies, they were just like, this sucked. Kind of like with athletes and film, like sports films and stuff, where you're like, mm -hmm. no, it's not... So they just pretty much wanted something to be as realistic as possible. And they knew that if they were doing it as realistic as possible, it would be hilarious because it's just the whole thing is ridiculous. Exactly. And so they really, um, like, they're playing all of their instruments. And even Christopher Guest at one point went back and reshot some things because he wanted the hand placements to look real. And there's so many rock stars who cite this film. Um Kurt Cobain, there's like a documentary where he's asked about his favorite um, mu rock musical or music movies or whatever. And he's like, basically, they're all shit. And then Dave Grohl chimes in and is like, except for Spinal Tap. Right. That's so real. There are so many hard rocker and just rock stars who are just like, oh, my God, like Spinal Tap. Like, is that us? Um, there was somebody who's like a really. Oh, The Edge actually like started crying. And weeping because he was just it like was so real. It was so real, and just like this is what this is what this whole music thing has become in you know in the eighties mm -hmm. and the commercialization and all of that. Like that is the thing that stands up the test of time, and it it keeps going with generations. You have you know of course of the bands that it's satir satirizing. You know, there's I have them later on, but they're. Even up to, like, Christine, we went to the Punk Rock Museum, and there mm -hmm. were, like, in, in the Wikipedia page, there would be bands that were at the Punk Rock Museum that we saw, like, them, mm -hmm. and they were just, like, it's Spinal Tap. Like, that is, mm -hmm. it's so realistic <laughs> to what it's like to be in a band that it, it's crazy. So the whole film is such a reheatable. Mm -hmm. Is it still me? Did everybody yep, else go? It is. Mm -hmm. All of your paws. Oh man, just the the drummer slander. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, you would as a drummer. It, the spontaneous human combustion. 
the bizarre gardening accident, choking on someone else's vomit. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. The the album cover when it comes out and it's just an all All black black? cover. Yeah, not all white. So Metallica came out with their black album and that was actually an homage to to the black album. So many homages to this movie. Everything about the Stonehenge megalith. Like the whole Stonehenge thing. Oh my god. And I was looking at it because so the Stonehenge thing comes out and it's supposed to be big, but you know Nigel messed up on the the sketching inches and, instead of feet. Yeah, which As is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, because he's British, so he would, he would be using the metric system, and they'd be like, "This is why we use metric." Um, but so it comes out, and then you see like the little people come out, and I was like, "Oh, because it's 1984," and I'm like, "Oh," but and you know I'm sure that that. Maybe I'm I'm wrong in this, and of course I could be educated in it. But to me, it seems like the little people, like they weren't the butt of the joke. the The group was the butt of the joke. It right. wasn't, and they they, I think they well, I guess they they used the name for the parlance of the times. But I I didn't feel like they were the butt of the the joke. You know, like like when I first saw them, I was just like, oh no, like you know, yeah. you get that weird, like oh, it's gonna be bad. And then I I was like, oh wow, They're, like it was funny, not because they were in it. It was fun, like we were la- we weren't laughing at them, which I was surprised by for something that you know came out in 1984. Um, Nigel's wireless hookup when it starts getting the Air Force Base interference, that oh to me God. was hilarious heartbreak hotel was the only elvis song that carrie murphy could get the rights to so when they they sing that that was funny um when it's it's saint hubbins and he's the patron saint of quality footwear (laughs) and saucy jack the Jaffer for musical that they wanted to do. It's just funny to be Saucy Jack. And you know what? I think it will work. <laughs> Saucy Jack. Uh, get Crystal in Saucy Jack. Write it up. Put her in it. Crystal was on Drew Barrymore this I week. I watched it. Me too. It was so great. funny. I was like, I know her. Our very own Crystal Joy Brown. On Broadway. Killing it. Killing it. Okay, so we are the quotables. And I took a couple from the beginning, and then I just continued to watch. Okay, we've got armadillos in our pants. <laughs> and then when dude goes through the... The, the metal um, detector? Yes, and he has to take the zucchini out of his Because mm-hmm. okay. the zucchini is wrapped in tinfoil. Exactly. Uh, not the first one. Um, there's such a fine line between stupid and clever. Mm-hmm. Is that not the... Uh, That's my the, life. <laughs> the quote of my life? Yeah. I, I always think I'm being clever, but a lot of people think it's just stupid. Currently residing in where are they now category. Ooh, Our... Other quotables. 
Um, I have, they were leaving New York to go to a show in Philly. They said, Philly now, that's a real rock and roll town. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're leaving the boondocks to go to, go to Philly. Yeah. Um, what day did God create Spinal Tap and couldn't he have rested on that day too? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's right. It's 1982. Get out of the 60s. We don't want that anymore. Yeah. That, it's so funny, too, because it's 1984. And then to see like, where we are from 1984 to, to now. It's mm-hmm. yeah. so funny. And then fuck you. Fuck all of you because I quit. That's it. Good night. Man, I wish I could say that sometimes. I know you do. Oh, yeah. I have... This was regarding the freak gardening accident that took one of their drummers. Authority said, best leave it unsolved. (laughs) (laughs) This is hilarious. This is, Billy Crystal says this to Dana Carvey. Man, I think I laughed the hardest at this. I've seen this a few times. This, it tickled me so much. But he said, mime is money. (laughs) Mime is money. Oh, yeah, mime is money. Mime is money. Of course, the famous. These go to 11. Mm-hmm. Regarding the amps. Um, when he says, making a big deal out of it would have been a good idea regarding Stonehenge. Yes. And there's also oh. one that, that gets played on the Tony Kornheiser show a lot where it's the end of that scene. And that's, he's like, I have... I. I'm paraphrasing here, but it's basically like, I have to bring up a practical question. Because <laughs> they've had this huge Stonehenge argument. He's like, are we playing Stonehenge? <laughs> oh, that, that just ends the scene good. Um, You can't really dust for vomit. Oh. And then when they were at Elvis's grave, <laughs> they were just talking. He was like, oh, it really puts things in perspective, doesn't it? And he was like, too much fucking perspective now. <laughs> Oh, that got me. So, yep. Okay. We are to LVP. And Aaron just brought it up. The Druids. I agree that they were not the brunt of the joke, but they were part of the joke because it was supposed to be because there were little people there. Stonehenge was supposed to look bigger, but they were still part of the part of the joke. I have yeah. choking on someone else's vomit. Oh, just choking like, on your own just, vomit is bad. Yeah, but someone but else's someone is like, else's oh, is God. really bad. Yeah. I have honorable mention herpes. Mm. I had that too, the cold sores. Uh huh. Oh. Um, but my real LVP is just the stray shot that, and it just takes a lot of stray shots, but astrology. Because when Janine was the girl, she's the girlfriend, and she makes all of their charts and stuff, and it's like, ooh. And the thing, it's just, it's an easy joke because, of course, it's like, oh, astrology, and, like, do people use it to con people? Yes. Do most people not know what they're talking about? Yes. But I don't know, like... When I found out that the tides were based off of the moon, like the moon's gravitational pull, I was right. just like, 
there's a lot of stuff that we do not know about in this world. It's true. It's true. If you're going to tell me that the moon can affect the tides, how are you going to tell me that the sun, moon, and planets have zero, uh, zero to do with anything? Considering that they've, you know, scientifically everything is basically energy. Like we, everything goes down to atoms, and it's pretty much empty space really and you're gonna tell not a-d-a-m-s right so you're gonna tell me that like everything's essentially energy that the sun and the moon and the planets aren't gonna do something they have nothing to do with it yeah i'm not saying that i'm gonna uh you know, make all of my decisions based off of some what some person says about it. But I do I I'm not out like I, there's something to it. I'm just saying. More than it, if there weren't something to it, it wouldn't still be around, would it? No, oh. but it, but yeah, I don't know. But it, I think it's one of those psychics are still open. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think that it's like a thing with psychics where it's something that is so. Like you, you can't because you can't prove it. Anybody can just right. say that right, they can right, do yeah. it. Whereas I do believe that there are very few people who, like with psychics, have some sort of ability and can kind of uh, channel that. And the same thing with astrology. There are people who have studied it, and they, <clears throat> like, if you get a legit person, they won't tell you. The things that, of course, that you want to hear, like, oh, should I buy a lottery ticket? Oh, should I do that? No, but not that kind of they'll thing. They'll kind yeah. of, like, plant different things and be like, okay, well, at this point, like, the this planet is going here, so that pool is kind of going to make things kind of, like, shift. So be on the, you know, they can kind of, like, map different energies and stuff of where things are kind of kind of going to go and but I mean it's ultimately you the person who decides and that's just the few and far between who are so attuned in their craft and know all of that the layers of that we have a an ancestor who was supposed to be able to heal animals laying laying hands on animals and be able to heal them well where were they Caboose? well they weren't able to I, kill I was in California <laughs> I, I healed myself one time. I, I was like, let me see if I can do it. And I laid hands upon myself. My knee was hurting and I put hands upon myself and then it stopped hurting and I was I got scared. <laughs> <laughs> never mind, never mind, never mind. It's too powerful. I'll, I'll never be left alone. Okay. Have we done everybody's LVPs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So my MVP is the cast. I mean, mm. the, the just the just moments of all these fabulous comedians coming in and doing just a tidy bit part, not even a per se comedians. We have Angelica Houston, and you know it because of her voice, and yeah, the cast was amazing. Mine is the insult that I did in my quotable couldn't God have why couldn't God have rested the day that he made spinal tap I've never heard that insult before and God what a brilliant one sick bird yes well mine are the songs Mm, give me some amazing give me some money 
I mean, there are people. Oh well, I can tell you. Like, listen to the flower people. Mm-hmm. Big bottom. I love big bottom. It reminded me of that I bottom like, girls from yeah, Queen. Yeah. Or are you yeah. thinking of Sir Mix a lot? I was you going. You were going. I, I like, like big, big butts. butts, but I cannot lie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That was hilarious. Um, the um, big bottom. I've seen this movie a couple of times, and this was the first time that I noticed that everyone is playing bass guitar because it's all bass on it. Because it's big bottom. It's it's. About oh. big bottom and also mm. it's big bottom of the frequencies. It's all oh, wow. bass. I didn't Everybody's playing bass on it. And it reminded me in 1978, Queen Fat Bottom Girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Michael McKean said that, that that song was an influence on Big Bottom. Um oh. I like how like they all really played and really recorded. Yes, yes. So much so that when uh, Rob Reiner, when they released the film, somebody came up to Rob Reiner and was like, I love your film, but I wish you would have picked a band that was better known. Like, so many people when the film came out thought that this was a real band. Exactly. Was a real documentary. Exactly. So they went on to really, re- um, so they really recorded, you know, the soundtrack for this. And then they played a Nine City, quote, Back from the Dead tour in 2001. Oh, my God. I didn't the, know that. Yeah, and the folksmen, the trio, the folk trio from A Mighty Wind, they opened some nights. Oh my god, that's funny. And then in 2009, they had a one date, air quotes, world tour. <laughs> so they played, played a world tour, but it was only one date at Wembley in 2009. Oh, wow. Mm hmm. So, yeah. Did anybody do a recasting? I did, but I did a different recasting. Okay. Because before I had seen this film, there was a, another film that I saw first, and it came out in 1993. I, I think we'll probably do it at some point. I'll probably pick it. But there's a film that came out in 1993. It's called Fear of the Black Hat, and it chronicles the rise and fall of NWH. That would oh. be instead of with attitude they are with hats without yeah and so it is it's a mockumentary in the style of spinal tap but it's about it's it's hip hop it's a hip hop really? spinal tap yeah fear of the black How did hat i don't know that i don't know because That's i saw funny. it i watched it a lot <laughs> when i was living there but yeah 1993 it's called fear of the black hat because that's a play on Public Enemy's Fear of the Black Planet. And so it, it, it just, you know, it's Spinal Tap set in hip-hop in the early wow. 90s. That's so, I, I was like, they did my recasting for me. We are the Tasties. The, act- the actors actually played the instruments. I mean, they were actual musicians. Mm-hmm. Um. Ozzy Osbourne was watching this. He thought it was a real band. Ozzy Osbourne, who, you know, heavy metal. Of course situation. he thought it was a real band. Well, yeah, also because, like, his keyboard player was <laughs> also in this. 
and his the keyboard player when he was he was playing with a different band and they he came back from tour and they were as they were like in rehearsals and preparing this said like we were on tour and we got a show canceled and we played at an air force base and that's how the air force base there's so <laughs> many different in. things like that happen. yeah um rob reiner was originally cast himself in the group but then they the group said you you really don't look good in spandex oh uh, yeah because spandex is unforgiving well, and that the there weren't, I think like meat wasn't like meatloaf maybe one of the only, um, full figured men exactly in, the, in exactly. rock and roll. Like there's yeah. just definitely if you look into it, um, rock and roll body issues. Yeah, yeah. You know, with the especially with the men, definitely what was acceptable. Yeah, because that was Mick a whole Jagger, thing. Jagger, uh, Rod Stewart. Yeah. Well, and I know like. With Luther Vandross, um, he was always on the heavier side, and then like he, you know, he always battled with his weight and stuff. He did, and then, so he would fluctuate back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Um, much of the dialogue was ad libbed. Aaron already told us Dana Carvey and Billy Crystal were mimes. Um, this is the only IMDb film rated eleven out of ten. Yeah, because usually goes you to can... 11. Yeah, <laughs> it goes to funny. 11. Usually it's just up to 10, but for this specifically, it goes to 11. It does. And so many people watched this thinking Spinal Tap was a real band. I really believe that they could have been a real band back in the day. You don't even need to be back in the day. You could just pull it up now and be listening to them on Spotify. Because they could actually sing, they kept the tune, and they could play the instruments. A lot of groups now don't, they they all rely on past um, samplings of Manziel. And so uh, <laughs> they don't even play the instruments anymore. Yeah, so, but the wigs were spot on for back in the day. I'm telling you. They even played as a band in 1984. On they were the musical, they were the musical guests on a 1984 Saturday Night Live. Oh, that's great! With the host was Barry Bostwick. Oh wow! Okay, so, like that's when the movie came out and stuff. So of course it it really leads lends into that. Yeah. And I oh I remember I didn't listen to it, but I read that Derek Smalls, <laughs> you know the bassist. He came out this summer with a, a song. It was, it's kind of like I want to smash Barbie or like it's, oh. it's, it's there's a song that he released. that's kind of like about Barbie. Those so. mutton chops were that was so back in the day. And speaking of Harry Shear, he said the animating impulse was to do rock and roll. Right. Right. The four of us had been around rock and roll and we were just amazed by how relentlessly the movies got it wrong because we were funny. It was going to be fun, a funny film, but we wanted to get it right. Right. Exactly. They got it right, though. They did. It satirizes 1976's The Song Remains the Same, which was Led Zeppelin. The 1978 The Last Waltz, which was the Martin Scorsese documentary about the band, which features an amazing 
uh, guest spot by Mavis Staples doing the wait, which is, oh, chef's kiss. I love that. Um, there was also a 1978 mockumentary about the Beatles that Eric Idle and Neil Ennis did. And Eric Idle and those two guys, that's basically uh, Monty Python. So the Monty Python people oh. did a mockumentary about the Beatles called All You Need Is Cash. And their band, instead of the Beatles, was the Ruddles. This reminded me so much of the Beatles. Back when they did the 60s thing, and then when Yoko Ono came in. and Yeah, so it, it took on all of those different things. It did. So that, it took on Led Zeppelin. Uh-huh. And yeah. then just and then they just kept um going into what was gonna be the next genre of music. So it was like cause it's it's wild when you look at the Beatles did the Beatles even like the Beatles didn't even make it out, out of the seventies. So they were like a band from the early sixties to like I think they were only a band for like eight years or something. It's wild when you be- a lot of people say because of Yoko Ono, but then um, Paul McCartney started a group called Wings and yeah, continued I think that, his music. But yeah, as far I think as that the, the, Beatles, the misogyny, yeah. like it places that on on Yoko, like that Yoko gets blamed for it. But I think, especially if you watch was, like the Peter Jackson thing, it was just they, it was time have, to break up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens. Um. This, okay, here we go, Teeny. So, according to Wikipedia, this was filmed 25 days in L.A. County. And the reason that I stand behind it is because um, when they say that they're in Atlanta, there's a shot of the hotel. And that hotel is a very famous downtown Los Angeles hotel <laughs> called the, the Westin Bonaventure Hotel. And it's in downtown Los Angeles. And it's very famous because it has the four cylindrical pillars uh it's been in a ton of films i stayed there once because stacy and my grandma came out and they stayed there i think it was like for an all-star game or something like an nba all-star game i had to say though that was the most comfortable bed i've ever slept in was at the westin bonaventure so i know that it's an iconic downtown los angeles hotel and i looked and they're like atlanta georgia i'm like nabi nah Yeah. yeah so I wondered if the place was a real in Chapel Hill, but definitely where they filmed it was not in North Carolina. Yeah. Um. Let's in the Bon of that the Bonaventure Hotel. It opened in 1976. Mm. Uh huh. Um. And as I was saying, it was all filmed in Los Angeles County. So bless you. Um. They didn't go to Graceland. That's not Elvis's grave. That's Altadena, California, people. Oh my really? God, we created it? Yeah. Because there are people online who are like, no, Elvis is, it's all paved. It's not in the woods. It's nothing like that. It's like, uh... yeah, they didn't shoot. They didn't leave LA County. Altadena. And you know what? I love that they didn't go to Elvis's grave. Right. They had a budget. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but when I was saying how they didn't have a script, they were just going passing around, like, basically, like, hey, this is what we want to do with the film, you know, short little, um, 
you know, just a short little scene kind of to mm-hmm. show people what they want to do. And they kept getting rejected, rejected. And we have this movie because of one Norman Lear. So Norman Lear. Really? Famous television producer, also film producer, I'm sure. But he was famous for All in the Family, The Jeffersons. Yes. And yes. remember, Rob Reiner was meathead in All of the Family. Exactly. So they took it to Norman Lear, and he finally decided he was like, you know, okay, yeah, yeah, you got something here. Let's, okay, yeah. we'll do it. Exactly. Yep. Nice. So there you have it. Tini, do you have tasties? I didn't have any tasties. I figured you guys would bring them to me. We did indeed. Are you full? <laughs> from, from, oh, the- I get it. I get it. <laughs> I was hungry before, and now I'm full. <laughs> You know, in Germany, when you say I'm full, it means you're, like, blitzed with, with uh, no, with <laughs> alcohol, with alcohol, with alcohol. It means you're, you're a, a touch drunk. Oh. I'm full, that means I'm, I'm drunk. Now, okay. Is that, is that auf English or auf Deutsch? Auf uh, the frenzled. But they were speaking to you in English. Yes. Oh, I'm full. They I'm said, full. if you say... Oh, no more. I'm full. That means that you are drunk. So you can eat more food. That was their get down. Which they would just keep giving you more yeah. snayballs and yeah. You need to eat more. So this has been this is Spinal Tap. Yeah. Next week, I guarantee you, Aaron will not get this. Hell I know. No. I'm not. Hmm. We are doing a 19 wait. 1998 movie. Oh, 98. The year I graduated from high school. It. Okay. I was very much into my. Yeah, you think she's not going to guess this? No. Oh, no. Okay. Wow, that is bold. Okay. Um, We have Adam Beach, Gary Farmer, Evan Adams as actors in this. Never heard Dir- of any of them. Direct, right. Neither has she. Director is Chris Ayer. How do you spell Chris? How do you spell Ayer? A-Y-E-R-E. As in Jane. Uh-huh. Wait. Uh, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. An hour and 29 minutes. Mm. It was it uh, was a winner of the 1998 Sundance Filmmakers Trophy. We can watch it on Hulu, Showtime, Amazon Prime, Paramount, and Apple. What's it about? It's the first feature film written, directed, and produced. By Native American Indians. Oh, you're welcome. This is Adam Beach. This is Native American Heritage Month. 1990, George Bush declared November National American Heritage Month. We are doing 1998's Smoke Signal. Oh, nice. Mm. I was so proud of myself. Yes. 
I I still have the last season of I've been saving it of Reservation Dogs on Hulu to watch. I highly recommend that show. I'm sure it, I haven't watched it. Oh man, yeah, it's great. That's why I was like I I feel like I have. Like I, I'm not gonna lie and say I knew it, but I knew that th- that I had seen, right, the name of it. I had been watching um, this last month Yellowstone, and then 1883, and then 1923, and I was totally into the cowboy thing, and so I was gonna do one of the old cowboy movies because we don't do many westerns, mm-hmm. and then I was like. But wait a minute, I want to do something that is written, directed, produced by mm-hmm. um, indigenous, our indigenous people. Yeah. So it's the first one that, that was, and I'm I'm very excited about it. Nice. <clears throat> cool. Well, yeah. speaking of like Yellowstone and all that, um, the guy that does Yellowstone, his new show is Lawman Bass Reeves. Which yes, is, exactly. I started with, it. Yeah, with David Oyelowo, oh, who my God. So played good. Martin Luther King Jr. in Selma. He plays uh-huh. the real, like, this guy really existed. Bass Reeves, he was um, a lawman. And I watched the first episode. I'm in. The first episode was just, like, basically his origin story. Yeah, so but it was, the second one is, uh, yeah, it's going to just continue to get better. Mm-hmm. So that's next week, Native Exciting. American Heritage Month. Wow, it's November. This is, I, I wonder how they feel about that, like, because, you know, like, November is, all, like, for Americans. Because it's tied into, like, Thanksgiving and everything the Indians gave the, the people who came from England. And, I mean, they, they arrived late. So they weren't able to plant crops, and and the indigenous people who were here were so welcoming and and helped them plant crops and helped them have their first feast, which is Thanksgiving, but then continued to screw them to the point of where they had no. Well, I'm, I'm guessing too, like when they came though, they like, I mean, just right off the jump, so it just decimate like they, they had their diseases. Right, and exactly. Just, like, they brought as soon as they, they were like, oh, yeah. "Hello, how how are we really helping?" And it right. was just like, just dead, 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 dead. And we used to teach Squanto because he could speak English because he had been an indentured servant, so he could speak English because he had been a slave to English-speaking people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that that is because it, it we've it's the whole I mean and you know the, we were talking about earlier like states rights and stuff it's just this whole way that we've been taught to think about this thing mm-hmm. and that yeah you know, we like, were all the good people that came over and yeah and and it was such a warm story because then it was like and then they helped and they were so giving and they just kept giving and giving and they were they just came for great. Three days. East and they and brought it was so and and, yeah. and like the other perspective of that story is probably different. Yeah, very very different. Yeah. Uh, I taught first grade for several years at an elementary school, obviously, and we would have a Thanksgiving feast, 
and the children, Erin, when you were in kindergarten and first grade, you could, you would make. Uh, I, you know what? If I'm gonna be honest, I didn't like it because I was a girl and I had to wear a bon. I I had to wear a bonnet. Like I didn't have an an. I don't. You think didn't that have that a I choice. Was, I don't think I had a choice because I remember you would bring in the the brown paper bag, like the grocery bag, to make right. the vest for the indigenous people, right. or you could be like a pilgrim and have like the pilgrim hat. But right. that was if you were boys, and if you were a girl, you had to wear like a bonnet. Well, and now, so I was just like, "This is bullshit. I don't like it." And so when I came along, I we made the pilgrim hat for the boy or the pilgrim hat for the girl and the wide collar, and you also made the paper bag vest if you wanted. And so you could choose: Did you want to be an indigenous person? Did you want to be a pilgrim at the feast? And you got to choose. But then one of my last years there, my conscience did a... <laughs> Wait a second. Hmm. Hello? <laughs> so I actually called the newly National Museum of the American Indian. And I said, okay, so every year we have this feast and, and we let the children dress up as either a pilgrim or an indigenous person. And they go... If you're doing that paper bag vest, you got to stop it. <laughs> it is not okay. Yeah. And wow, did I get blowback? Because oh, we had to, because uh, I said, we cannot continue to do this. These people say, no, that's not okay. I don't care if we, because I even said to them, we're doing it with total respect and oh, and then you were, and they were like, and then the blowback was by a bunch of people wearing Redskins paraphernalia going, nah, what are you talking exactly. about? We're doing it with respect. What do you mean? Yeah. And they're like, by any chance, is your local football team called the Redskins? And you're like, well, yeah, but that's that. with respect. That's with respect. Yeah. With all due respect. Trust me. But we're doing fine. Who did you call? Who Like, who's saying that we can't do this? Well, actually, they, no, the they don't know. Who- we call American Indians because Columbus thought he got to India, so we called them Indians. And yeah, I wasn't, uh, I did not win um, popular teacher of the year that year. No, well, no. but it's, it's just like the same of the, the good reheatable or like the good bad reheatable, like when they asked the band in Spiral Top, like. No, we're not racist. We say you love your brother, but we don't literally mean it. And we don't, we don't mean actually it. mean it. We don't yeah. actually mean it at all. But we're not racist. We're not racist in any way. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So this has been, this is Spinal Tap, which, I mean, the rock musicians are all like, this is so real. It's not even like a mockumentary. And um, so that was fun. And oh, we are- I'm sorry. I forgot that Variety announced, they reported in May 2022 that there's going to be a sequel with Rob Reiner, Michael McKean, Christopher Guest, and Harry Shear. And I had read that the date is going to be, um, I think, next year in 2024, but that was all before the strike, so things might have been pushed back. But they were, like, they're... I mean, really? on wood, yeah, wow. all the originals. Well, then we need to have some girl bands in there, too. We need to have some females who went through that Britney Spears. 
shit. <laughs> okay. This has been this is Spinal Tap. Next week is 1998 Smoke Signals. See you then, listeners. Congratulations, Teeny! Congratulations, Teeny!